What's going on, everybody, and welcome back into the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. We are here for our second pod of the week, and Tom, you know, not that much going on, but a couple things that we should probably touch on, particularly with the NBA back in swing here for the second half of the season. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. Um, I hope you're doing well. And also, we have to mention that this is going to be somewhat of an NBA-heavy pod, because after you and I chat, we are going to run a conversation that we had with Mike Phillips um what was it just was it just after the all-star break or just pre just pre it was literally a week ago today it was um the final the final week or the final day of the first half so yeah we'll be running that and you know some of the conversation is outdated but we'll be updating it a little bit more today yeah no doubt um we had an awesome conversation with him thank thanks as always to, to him for having us on his podcast we'll have to be having him on soon on ours, something a little creative that uh, you and I have been cooking up, but we'll leave. We've got a lot of news actually to talk about uh, over the next couple of weeks, don't we now? Yeah, we certainly do, man. And, you know, one is, as you're going to hear uh, from that audio with, with Phillips, is that, you know, the Nets disappointing first half and where do they go from there? And on Monday morning, they announced that they are parting ways with Jacques Vaughn. Um, I mentioned, I went into it in pretty great detail, Tom, that. This team was just not clicking. This team was so lost. Uh, they seemed to have zero confidence in their coach's ability to strategize game plans, how the offense was supposed to run. So from that vantage point, a change was definitely due. Um, so Vaughn's gone. And then somebody that I know all too well, Kevin Ollie, <laughs> who is the lead assistant on the Nets staff this year, has been promoted to interim. So what are your thoughts with, with the new developments in Brooklyn? Um, I mean, I, I think it was time for Jacques Vaughn to go, um, you know, when he was originally put in place, this wasn't the situation that the Nets were in, not even close. Um, and uh, from the Kevin Ollie side, I mean, he's an intern, um, by all accounts, he didn't work that hard at UConn, right? That wasn't really what it was. I mean, his biggest issues, obviously he wins the national championship in 2014. So I have. I will always have sentimental value to him, but the the players that he brought in never really got any better. I think the problem was, was especially the the big guys, the centers, um, some of their best players were either transferring out or declaring for the NBA way before they should have. And it, it was never really a strong suit of his uh, listening to a lot of people talk about Ali is the next hire here on an interim basis is that he's probably been more suited for the NBA than he was as a college coach. Um, That's promising. Yeah. So obviously the guards of Napier and, and Boatwright that won that championship in 2014, the entire offense ran through them. So if you're a guard, AKA Cam Thomas, you're probably going to be very happy with Kevin Ollie. But um, yeah, man, I mean, it wasn't like everything crashed and burned at UConn. There was, you know, him versus the school and a very ugly divorce, but you know, his biggest issue was development and, and you know, with the team going into the AAC, he just wasn't the right man for that job. Yeah, it takes a special kind of coach to be able to, to lead your team through battles like that. And it sounds like he was into the recruiting, but he wasn't really into the holding on of the recruits. So that's not really a problem in the NBA. If you're under contract, you're under contract. Sometimes. Um, yeah, sometimes. But, exactly. <laughs> but you know, uh, it's in turn, man. Well, it, it can't be worse than what Vaughn was putting out there this year. 
No, it can't. Um, that and, and you know the the kind of the the turning point in this season was the December twenty seventh game against the Bucks when they decided to sit everybody. And since then, they're six and eighteen, and one of the worst teams in the league. So right now, I feel like the the biggest point of contention. And yes, interim for now, for sure. I think that he will stay the interim, and they'll do a full scale coaching interview process this summer. But Ali's going to get a real look here. And the biggest thing, Tom, was there were voices from that locker room admitting that they felt like they were going to have a hard time recruiting the star players to come play for Jacques Vaughn. And the second that that was mentioned to Sean Marks, I think that was that was the nail in the coffin for him. Yeah, I mean, not performing well. And then I, I don't know. I don't. I don't really blame Jacques Vaughn for the other guys leaving, but it's definitely not an easy look that you were the head coach when all three of those players decided to dip. I definitely don't blame him at all, but nonetheless, the, the, the optical is still there. Yep. And listen, Ollie, we're going to see what he's got. We're going to see how the team responds to him. The team's not all that good. We, we discussed that in at nauseum throughout the last couple months, but you know, for Vaughn, I feel for him. He was dealt a really shitty hand, and sometimes shit happens, man. But obviously, going forward in this next iteration of whatever the Nets plan to do with their cap flexibility and with their trade assets and the first-round picks coming their way from the Suns and the Mavericks, they plan on contending next year and, and doing some big-game hunting this summer. And if there starts to be concern that he's not the right man to lead them and, and get those star players who want to come there – then it's an easy decision. Just rip off the Band-Aid now. Absolutely. That's why you make him an intern and you don't just go ahead and promote him. For sure. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Um, as far as the All-Star game goes, dude, like how much of All-Star game, All-Star weekend did you watch? Did you watch any of the festivities? Um, Saturday night I watched only because I mentioned last week we went to LBI and we went to a bar and it just happened to be for the almost, you know, it was basically I was at the bar for the three point shootout and the dunk contest. So I watched it all of Saturday night pretty much, but it wasn't it wasn't my plan. Let's just say that. Dude, I think right now that it's broken. I know Mac McClung won the dunk contest yet again. He's a G League cool. guy, you know, no disrespect to him. But seriously, who fucking cares? You got Jalen Brown who participated in it. That was cool that a legitimate star player did it, but he didn't do anything revolutionary. So as for the well, it's three- funny. I mean, yeah. I was with a Boston. I was with a guy from Boston. Nice guy actually, named Mark. Um, and he, me, and him just looked at each other and we're like, Jalen Brown. I mean, yeah, he's a star. It's a cool to have a name in there, but like, I've never seen him do anything than like a tomahawk. Like I've never, you know, like he doesn't go out and do like an Anthony Edwards fucking seven fifty. Like he did exactly what you expected him to do in a game. He yeah, jumped he, somewhat high and he dunked it really hard. Cool. He's not really a showman, exactly. Right? No. So uh, for, I mean, I the dunk contest, dude. There's nothing more to do. All the great dunks have been done. We're not going to see anything. Yeah, I mean, like, raise the rim to 12 feet and be like, if anybody's got the balls outside of Dwight Howard to do it, like, well, you know, like, it's like, oh, well, that's going outside the tradition. It's like, well, like, the fucking skills competition, is that a game? Right. I mean, you got the celebrity all-star game. Who gives a fuck? Exactly. At this point, 
we've already gamified everything. We might as well make it. A, and that that goes for the three point shootout, which honestly, in my opinion, has gotten a lot more interesting over since I've grown up. But let's make it more interesting. Let's fucking make everybody shoot from Steph range. See, I would be down with that. Uh, I really like the Steph versus Sabrina Inescu idea. I thought that was fun. That was fun. But Dame Lillard ended up winning the three-point competition. I don't know how. I didn't watch it. I don't really care. But it's like, cool, dude. Like, we know that you hit logo threes in the games. It's fine, I guess. Um, the The game was obviously a complete and utter joke, and, and it was a mockery at, at Adam Silver. Did not watch a second, nor did I watch a highlight of that game, to be honest with you, bro. Of course fucking not, man. It, it, terrible. Terrible. I, I mean, the East scored over 200 points. It was the first time a team I saw, I saw something on Twitter that, like, Dr. J, Larry Bird, and Andre Godala went into the locker room before the game and was, like, basically begging them to play hard. Yeah, how'd that work out? Well, I didn't watch the game, but I can assume not well, judging by the by the fact we're talking about it, <laughs> as the fact it needs to get fixed. Well, and Adam Silver was sitting there, and you could see just the disdain on his face because he really made it a point of emphasis – a, this year he wanted two things to happen. He wanted the in-season tournament to be something that you could look for, look to as a success and something to look forward to in years to come. I think he crushed that, right? But as far as the All-Star game, wanting to bring that back to what it was, you know, 20 years ago, it's never – One for two I, ain't bad. Not to mention, it's I don't really blame Adam Silver. Like you said, I think it's broken. I think it's a combination of a, a ton of things, bro. I mean, like you said, every dunk that could possibly be done on a 10-foot rim has been done. And also, like, we got so many more options compared to when Spud Webb was doing it and Jordan. Like, I, I could watch 10 million more shows, and it's just not that entertaining. And it's like, I don't know, the NFL is pretty much given up on the Pro Bowl. Like, is, is the NBA next? Uh, I mean, for me, it's like, I think that they're trying to hold on to something that they lost a long time ago because... I will say, like, All-Star Weekend, I'm not saying it felt fully like the Super Bowl, but that really was, like, a big deal back in the 2000s. Maybe I'm just saying that because it was, like, I fit the demographic. I was, like, a 10-year-old kid. But I really do feel like it just felt like a much bigger deal. No, because it was. I mean, again, there was still some cool shit going on. The the dunk contest still had a little bit of, of pizzazz to it. It still meant a little bit. There was a give a shit meter from the players. Um, the game sucks. And my suggestion is nothing radical, but I think they should go. I'm going to pick up what you're putting down. Go the NFL route and just don't have a fucking game. Do some skills. Well, yeah, play some flag football and, yeah. and whatever. Yeah, play play like horse. Play some pickup. Make it a pickup game where the guys can choose their own player. Do you have a Western Conference team and an Eastern Conference team? You know what they should do? I just fixed it, Sean. I just fixed it. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just fixed it. Go for it, bro. That guy, that trainer, Chris Brickley or whatever, you know, you see all those videos from that L.A. fitness in New York City where they play on, like, a roof, and it's like all of the superstars are playing. Just have him put it together. Clearly, they play hard for him. Yeah, that works. Just say it's the training exercise. Yeah, I mean, you could also do the um, – I wouldn't mind seeing something where it's like three-on-three three and uh, at half for a half-court game, and you play to like fucking, I don't know, 21, and then the winner of each team of each game plays each other. Like, there's other ways to do it. Or just don't have a fucking game. Try, stop trying or to – Or that, yeah. Yeah. Just I would rather up. them – honestly, I would rather them do a gym class style. Um, like, 
more. Everybody shows up to gym, pick it, and you get picked. And then people will get pissed off because they didn't get picked first. No big deal. I always got picked first every time. No big deal. Um, but you know, I think that would make it more interesting if like LeBron doesn't pick Carl Anthony Towns uh, over somebody and he's pissed off and goes off for fifty or something. Like that would be more interesting than the crap they're running out now. Well, they tried that to a bigger scale couple years ago when they had captains i think it was like team durant against well team yeah LeBron. i know that but it's it, it's so much different because it's like yeah they i know that they made money off that because they made a whole little show about it and whatever and that's the bottom line with any business but they pick the guys and then two weeks later three weeks later they play the all-star game nobody's they're gonna get over it by then do it right then and there so if somebody gets picked last they're pissed off and ready to go yeah i'd be fine with that i mean i i don't think they want to do it because they don't want to have you know contention it's become such a pussy league everybody's best friends with one another so the way i see it just don't have a game don't have a game you can have the pomp and circumstance you can announce all stars just like you announce pro bowlers you know send them to whatever destination in this case indianapolis and and do some fun stuff but just don't have a game it's such a waste of time you can't tell me that they make that much money from the gate with it and and just call it what it is. Like it's a it's a disgrace. It's a sham, and it's over. It's done. <laughs> it's never going to be good again. I I don't see a yeah. pathway for this becoming the years, three years. The years of resurrecting like, it are shit. over. We're in a moment in time. Look at how the NBA fixed this. I don't think that's happening, dude. I'll tell you what, bro. If if Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon couldn't do it, and those were some fucking sick dunks, then it's not going to happen. No, no, it's not. Um, so that's how I would do it. I would just say, you know what? We're going to admit defeat on this one and call it a day. Um, that's, that's all I got on the NBA. Obviously we're running the Phillips audio. Do you have anything else you want to add, bro? No, not at all. Although I think a con- the one thing I will say is if they could figure out a way to do a combo mid season tournament, all-star game and just blow it out. I think that would be cool, but man, eh, I don't know. That'll never happen. It'll never happen. I don't think they want to do the – Too close together. Yeah, because the whole point of the in-season tournament is they want to make the sport relevant come come dis- early December, right? It's, yeah. It is, re- it is relevant now. We've already had the trade deadline. There's only 32 games left or whatever. So, um, mm-hmm. Moving on to baseball. We're going to talk a little baseball today on the pod. Dude, it's amazing. It is uh, – the first spring training game was played today between the Dodgers and Giants. Or Dodgers I didn't even Giants. know that. Huh? I didn't even know that, honestly. Yeah, dude. First spring game. Let's fucking go. Um, uh, well, yeah, well, you fooled me with the snow on the ground over here. I'm not going to tell you what we had for weather today. Um, April so. or fucking April. Uh, it's February 22nd. And the top four free agents, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, Matt Chapman, and Cody Bellinger are still not signed. The common theme is that they're all Scott Boris clients. Uh, dude, mm. we've, we've talked about it a couple times right here and there about how baseball's offseason sucks compared to the NFL, compared to the NBA. I know we're not hockey guys, but even the NHL. The NHL, too. Yep, exactly. All those sports make it an event. And the winter meetings used to be it, and now that's not even all it anymore. Wow, I mean, there's a way to fix that, Sean. There is a way to fix that. I can fix that, that for you. I mean, it's simple. I don't know why the NBA and the NFL happen so quickly. It just does. But hockey has a window. Just do the window. Make it like, 
I don't know, the winter meetings and then a couple weeks longer and then that's it. Then we'll have all the fireworks we need. You know what sucks is you're 100% right from a practicality standpoint, but the union won't agree to it because they don't ah, want to fuck the players. union. Yep, and and MLB will try to do it and they won't and then people will say Manfred sucks. And listen, we have plenty of issues with Manfred, but this is not on him. Um no. look at Scott Boris, dude. Scott Boris has in the past been able to capitalize on very desperate teams spending huge money on a certain client of his, right? Mm-hmm. But if you survey the market now, there's too many smart GMs and there's too many teams that have five, 10 year plans that don't involve signing a great player to a mega deal. The other yeah. two, and, and I'll get your thoughts on this. These four players are the cream of the crop of this free agency class. And maybe Blake Snell because he's a reigning Cy Young Award winner. He's won two of them. But the rest of the players, they're not they're not game wreckers. They're very no, it's like, players. It's like this year's it's like this year's like NBA draft. Dude. Yeah, it's like it's like this year's NBA draft. I mean, it's like, yeah, you're you're the number four pick this year. But last year you would have been like the twelfth pick. You know, it's like the 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 level of it, it was just a bad free agent year. Let's call it as it is. I mean, the Yankees got Soto, but they got that through a trade. They didn't get that through free agency. It's just been a bad free agent year, and I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I could be proven wrong. Maybe a couple of maybe they're banking on a couple of players getting hurt early on in spring training. A team getting desperate and forking over that extra year or that extra, I don't know, ten million dollars or whatever they're arguing about. But for me, I mean. The rest of them are they're good players, but Snell is really the only blue chip player there. And he, and he's had his ups and downs too. He always gets off to terrible starts. Um and you know, he pitched in San Diego and he gives up a lot of home runs, bro. And that that's a that's a that's a pitcher's park. And I think teams are thinking about that too. He walks a shit ton of guys and he doesn't yep. deep into games. Um well, because he walks a lot of guys. Exactly. He's an electric pitcher. I mean, y- you said it right there. He has two Cy Youngs, but the years in between those Cy Youngs haven't been dominant. I think mm-hmm. well, the Yankees offered him six years, 155, before they signed Stroman, and they responded with nine years, 270. He's never going to get that. And Jordan Montgomery, who's an excellent pitcher, we saw what he did in the postseason for Texas last year, you know, he is what he is. He's probably the second or third best pitcher on a championship team if you're built was. into your rotation, right? Like, yeah, he yeah. has the potential to go on one of those runs that he did this year where he is your ace. But for a 162-game season, as the Yankee fans know, it's not really what he is. And then Matt no. Chapman's best days are behind him, even though he's still a great defender. And Cody Bellinger, I think people aren't sold on the year he had mm-hmm. in Chicago, particularly when you look at the advanced stats, his barrel rate and his hard hit percentage really wasn't that great um, for as much damage as he did. So, I, you know, I don't know what offers he had out there, but as a Boris client, I'm sure he was telling him, take a one-year deal, ball the F out, and there'll be a bunch of offers waiting for you. And it's just been crickets. It's been crickets. I mean, obviously the Dodgers won free agency. They got Otani and they got Yamamoto, right? So. Oh. Those were the Ugh. two 
top free agents on the board, and they were both swallowed up by the Dodgers in the matter of two weeks. Other than that, there hasn't been a lot of traction with the main guy. I can't fucking wait until the Dodgers lose in the second round again. I, I can't wait. Oh, they're going to win 150 games. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to go gonna lose 12. <laughs> they're going to 150 and 12, and then they're going to lose to like the fucking 80. They're going to lose to like the, the, the 82 and 80 Cardinals. Yeah, right. I know. Um, Snell is an interesting guy, though, because I believe the Yankees have a one-year $30 million offer out there waiting, right? I don't know what the exact offer is. I've been seeing so much different shit that is it a five-year deal with an opt-out after three? Is it a three-year deal with a super high AAV? I don't really know what it is, and I don't know what the Yankees – I'm sure they're in a staring contest right now because I'm sure the Yankees have the idea of what they want to spend, and Boris is telling Snell I can get you more. You know, there's two teams mm-hmm. that I would have thought would have already been proactive. The the Baltimore Orioles, I know they made their big splash by acquiring Corbin Burns, but Kyle Bradish, who finished fourth in Cy Young last year, uh, has a sprained UCL, and we all know what that means. And then, yep. and then the Mets today just got terrible news about Kodai Senga dealing with a shoulder injury, and he's going to start the season. He's going to be out half the year probably. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're hearing maybe best-case scenario June. So, like, you know, the, there's a relationship between Boris and Cohen. Could they strike a deal? But the Mets are in a weird spot because I don't – Well, that news just dropped today, though, so – It did. But you know what, man? I don't know what, how urgent the Mets are to go spend crazy money on a guy if they're kind of in a transition year already. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's a great point. Honestly, I was telling Michaela – Yesterday, because she was asking me about Snell, I was like, I mean, we I feel like we say this every year about one particular free agent that we want, but we don't want for long term. Just give him like a $40 million one year prove it deal and and let's win a World Series and then kiss him goodbye. Yeah, I know. Uh, It's in a perfect world. That's what would happen. But I don't unfortunately believe that is what's going to happen. Neither do I. But if this goes on another week or two. Yeah. I, I could see it happening, but maybe the Mets will get desperate given the new news. Right. And, and I'm sure that's what Boris is hoping for. He's miscalculated this entire offseason for his club. But, bro, he's done it. It's not, I, 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 don't, I don't think it's that he's misjudged it. I think that the, the league and the way GMs work have the time, like, it's just passed him by. It's passed his strategy by. Because this isn't the first time we're talking about decent free agents not signing. Like we have this conversation every year for what it feels like since maybe 2020. I feel like we were talking about this during COVID, like the heat of COVID. So 2020, I'd say, was kind of when we started to see a shift well, and, and every year. 2019, to reference what you're discussing, that was the watershed moment where you had yes. where you had Harper sign in March and you had Machado sign at the end of February. And they both got monster deals. But the difference was those were two phenomenal players in the prime of their careers at, at they were going to command huge value. It was just a matter of who was going to give it to them. But these are not, mm-hmm. those, these, you don't have a Manny Machado or Bryce Harper in this class. And if you did, no. they weren't Scott Boris guys. But if you don't remember, we have been talking about this over the last couple of years about free agent stragglers just hanging around. And I'm not talking about, you know, like you're, 
Um, oh, he got it. He's like a he's a camp invitee. I'm, these are I'm talking about over the last couple of years. I don't have the guys off the top of my head, but there has been more and more. I'd say B grade talent, C plus to B grade talent, like MLB starters that have not been signing until like into spring training. No, I know. I know, man. It's and, and uh, you, you think the sense of urgency. These guys want to get signed. These guys want to know where they're going. They want to know where they're reporting. They're already starting. They want to have a job <laughs> behind the fucking eight ball. You know, I mean, the the first spring training games, like I said, one started already and this weekend starts the, the all the other teams. So they got it. They got to start soon. But I mean, Boris might be telling them, hey, stay patient. Maybe we don't start the season on a team. But you want to end up like Michael Conforto? Yeah, I know. There you go. That's is he a Boris cool. guy? I'd be interested to see. He is. There you go, brother. That's a perfect example. Uh, uh, I would say a B-plus player. I mean, the guy won a batting title. He's got a good glove in the outfield. He can hit for a, a decent average. Um, and, and he didn't play for an entire season. I know. And he was kind of considered a consolation prize for the Giants who missed out on Judge and Correa. So it is he played it is. well last year, though. Yeah, he did, and he picked up his player option for this year. Um, anyway, baseball's got to figure it the fuck out. These guys need jobs. Baseball, I really hope basketball. Like Does everybody have to figure it out, Sean? Listen, what sport man, are you happy with right now? <laughs> uh, I love all the sports, but you know what? We can't just we can't be fanboys. We gotta we gotta point out. What oh, I agree with you. I was only teasing. I, I, can you think of a sport right now that? that you're like, I'm good with it. I mean, I honestly, the closest thing to it for me right now is the NFL. Every other league that I enjoy has something major that I'd like to change. For sure. You see now college football is already talking about a 14 team playoff starting in 20 college basketball is the wild, wild West. Um, Yeah. The NBA, the NBA product is excellent, but we just got to get to the playoffs because right now we're in a slog. And I'm honestly super excited about this baseball season. I mean, we're about four weeks away from doing our preview, but mm. the agency thing sucks. I, I it's I don't get excited for it anymore, dude. I re, I really don't because like like we said, it's been happening. It's been getting worse and worse since 2019. It's like now if the Yankees sign somebody, I'm like, oh, cool. I mean, obviously Soto, it was a little different, but for the most part, it's just. Uh, you know, when the season starts, like I said, I'm just like, oh, cool, baseball's back. Yep. Well, they've spent most of their money by acquiring players. Um, but anyway, that's it for that. Tom, we had episode three of Curb. Are you practicing the vertical horizontal? Is that in your game right now? The vertical drop. At, what is it? The vertical drop and the horizontal pull, is it? Lift, I thought. Well, um, to be honest, that's actually the move I've been practicing all winter because that's like literally the golf swing in a nutshell. If everybody just did that, they'd hit the ball good. It's like it's actually accurate. Um, but aside from that, uh, what what an episode, dude. I'm actually happy that we're a week behind because now it feels like we get an extra week of curb. So that's pretty awesome. But I mean, this 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 one outside of like some prime suit super Dave ones in some earlier seasons. This was one of my more recent favorite episodes. Like it, it just, it checked every box for me. Vince, Vince, uh, Vin Diesel was in it. <laughs> Vince Vaughn was in it. Um, who, who else? Somebody else made a cameo. Didn't somebody else that I can't think of off the top of my head. Oh, Richard, Richard was in yeah, it. Yeah. Richard Lewis. Not a cameo. 
but it was the first episode that he was in this season between that and the golf. Oh my God. I, and then the, and then the, you know, it's funny when you see the episode, uh, it, I think they were talking about like Leon's balls and you just see Larry laughing. And it's like, it's so funny. Cause you know that they cracked up at so many of those takes that that was like, Larry was still laughing, but they were like, all right, we got to move on. Like, this is good enough. You're not cackling. Absolutely. I mean, if you know anything about Curb, I mean, that's the thing. Larry just kind of lets lets uh, JB Smoove riff, and that was a great Leon episode. Isn't it hilarious that he was supposed to be on for like three episodes, and Larry was like, "You're too fucking good. We oh, <laughs> you have yeah. to stay." No, the story the story of Leon is is phenomenal. But yeah, that episode had everything with you know throwing the bagel to the homeless guy and and hitting <laughs> hitting the guy in the face and just. You know, picking up this, picking up the tips from the stall in the bathroom again. You know, it just, it, it's great. Yeah. Poor Susie with the dog. I mean, the perfect dog and Larry's. Yeah. The, How does he come up with this shit? Because it is so funny. It, it's just like the dog is dead. I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, would you like? Would you run home? Would you stop playing? Not if I'm hitting the ball like that. Not if Larry's the vertical said. drop and the horizontal tug is working. That episode had everything to me. I was like, I'm going to ask Tom on the pod what he would do in that scenario. And I think I know the answer. So if I hit somebody, no, if the, if, if there was a, if there was a dog, <laughs> you'd be like, well, I'm having the round of my life. I'd be like, so he's dead. Well, he would want me to keep playing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> oh was, man. Yeah. Awesome. But if I did hit somebody, if that's what you're asking in that scenario, this is what you do as a golfer. This is the tip. Okay. If you ever hit somebody in the fairway like that, you just go up to them as long as they live, obviously. And you just say, I'm so sorry, man. I, 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 that was the greatest shot of my life. What the hell can they say to that? They can't say shit. Exactly. As long as they're not injured. And then it's like, oh, man. But luckily, I've only hit one person and I hit my cousin in the chest. So it wasn't that bad. <laughs> Will Smith? No, it was not Will Smith. It was uh, another cousin of mine. But I haven't hit Will Smith yet. Maybe this year. There you go. Um, that's it for me, man. I think I think we got everything. Uh, like I said, we're going to be running the Phillips audio for the NBA. And we got a lot more content coming your way. Hell yeah. We got some big announcements of our own coming up soon, man. Um, a lot of big things for, uh, for Sorry to Interrupt. I'm excited. This is our fucking year, baby. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for bearing with us. And we'll be talking to you all soon. Enjoy Phillips, everybody. All right, we are back here on the podcast doing our annual NBA crossover here. It's all-star break time, so I'm back with my guys from the Sorry to Interrupt podcast, Tom Bikino and Sean Rowe here. Guys, welcome back. Let's talk some hoops with you. What's up, Mike? What's going on, man? Good to hear from you. Good to see you guys. Yeah, I gotta say, I'm sorry, borrowing the football world for a bit. So it's nice to serve and see the NBA is actually being a little uh, interesting this year. Yeah, you know, a lot of drama in the league, and there's 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 a lot going on that's like under the. It's a, it's a volcano about to explode. I think this summer. I think something's going to go nuts. It's Western, been way too quiet. And the Western what Conference is drunk. There's like it's just absolutely nuts, especially with the Warriors playing the way they're playing lately. So. You got LeBron to the Warriors rumors that came out. I'm sure very, you know, unintentionally. So. <laughs> yeah. Was that was that clutch? No, you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know, I know. That yeah. was cute. That was a cute way to get no one yeah. to the Lakers. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty tapped in on the local stuff, but like heading, big picture wise, I get to that bit here. But other things that just popped on my radar is obviously James Harden getting moved, the Thunder is somehow good, and the Bucks fire their coach and they're 31 17, which makes no sense. Yeah, uh, a lot to unpack there. I don't know if you want to talk locals first or just jump right into that. I mean, there's there's a lot going on in the NBA as there always is. Yeah, so let's, let's go to the local angle here first because we got the obviously the Knicks here, and they. Going into the season, they kind of ran back last year's team. Then they make these two big trades, the OG Ananobi deal with Toronto. They send RJ quickly out with some with uh, two second-round picks. Then they send out a bunch more guys and to Quentin Grimes and some other like roster filler, Fournier to Detroit for Alec Burks and Bojan Bogdanovic here. So, uh, uh, Tom, give me your thoughts on these trades the Knicks made. I mean, I said it on our podcast already. They 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 stole. In these two trades, it was especially the Detroit one. I mean, they I felt like they gave up nothing. And Detroit, if they had traded Bogdanovich over the summer or even a couple of weeks earlier, honestly, if they had even shocked a little bit on that day, I think they could have got a heck of a lot more just for him. And then to pull in Burks, who was excellent for the Knicks. Sean mentioned on our podcast that he shot over 40% for the Knicks. He's a great defender as well. And then OG Ananobi. I mean, I liked RJ. I was sad to see him go, but just the impact that OG has had uh, before the injury, which is unfortunate, and he's working his way back, but he's just been a menace. He's, uh, I don't know, Sean, what do you think? Top top five perimeter defender in the league? Probably top three, right? Well, you see what the Knicks plus minus is with him on the floor. I think through the first, like, four games, it was like a plus 103 or something. Like, the impact that he makes is, is remarkable, and I think he's one of those guys in the NBA where you don't realize how good he is until you're actually watching him play every night. I think his value kind of came down a little bit because Toronto held on to him for so damn long. But when you watch him play, he fits Tibbs' scheme like a glove. He doesn't need to have the ball, and that's the most important thing. When, when you have Barrett and quickly, I mean, more so Barrett because he was in the starting lineup, he needs the ball to be good. And... OG does not. And you don't want to take the ball out of Brunson's hands, especially when he's cooking. You don't want to take it out of Randall's hands when he's cooking. So there's just not enough time for Barrett. So when you have OG who shoots over 40% from the corner three, plays the defense he does, he makes so many impactful plays that help contribute to wins. It's a, It's been a slam dunk. The only issue is now he's been out for a little bit. But prior to his injury, um, I mean, you saw the Knicks go on a nine-game winning streak, and he was right in the middle of it. I mean, you think about it, like, there were, since they got him, like, when he first actually started playing, 15 and 2 for 17 games. They were probably the best defensive team in the NBA by a mile, which goes to show you, I feel like, when they're on, like, they may not be in that top, top tier with where the Bostons are and where the Denvers are. Like, they, they're probably in the, in the group below that, though. No doubt. No, absolutely no doubt about it. Um, I mean, you wrote on this rundown in one of our questions is how far do I think they could go? with this current roster and whatnot. I, I think if they're an Eastern Conference Finals team, if everything breaks right again, Eastern Conference, you got the Bucks. I'm not going to ever count them out. Obviously, the Celtics are, in my opinion, the best team in basketball, and that's including the defending champion, Denver Nuggets. But I think the Knicks' best-case scenario is to go to an Eastern Conference Finals this year and give the probable Bellis and Celtics a run for their money, maybe push it to six. Stay healthy. I mean, their depth is as good as any team in the league now after the trades that they made, right? So you get that cover. So you replace quickly with Burks. You get another great perimeter player in Bogdanovich. Um, they have a lot of players that they didn't have in the past. They're probably one of the deepest teams 
in the East, you know, with the exception of Boston. And that's going to behoove them come playoff time because you saw in that Miami series last year, Brunson got beat up a little bit. And even though his numbers were great, they became a very predictable offense. So having more playmakers in there, they can do a bunch of different closing lineups, right, Tom? So with that, with those options that Tibbs' disposal, I think, predicated on matchups, they're kind of limitless. Are they as talented as Boston? No, but we've seen them kind of handle their own with Boston, even with a, with a lesser rotation and a lesser team. So I think Eastern Conference Finals, like Tom said, if it breaks right, is certainly in the cards. Yeah, I think so for sure here. And I know I said at the top of the pod, too, I said, you know what? Like, honestly, it's like with the four-game loser going in the break does not mean shit because, like, they're playing with a G League roster right now, basically. Wait a minute, we curse on here now? We can. Nice. Oh, wow. I didn't know. We get Zoom and we get to cuss. Let's yeah. go, baby. Let's go. Let's fucking go. Yeah. Say, oh, hell yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. I'm loosening up, baby. Let's go. Yeah, because basically the way I say here is, like, does not mean shit because they are playing with Jalen Brunson and a bunch of, like, like basically over half the rotation is out with injuries. And they probably get, like, three of these guys back right after the break. You might get back. Russ hurt a little, little dinged up too. So yeah. I mean, yeah. Issue is though, they do count in the standings, and you've been losing some games. You've been losing some ground to Milwaukee. You've been losing some ground to uh, to Milwaukee um, and Philly as well. So and Mister Mister Wet Blanket over here telling us, "Oh, thanks for telling us the games count." I didn't realize they did. The well, Knicks are going to be fine. Hey, oh, we'll just throw it away. It's a G League roster. You're 100 percent right. But hey, man, they count in the standings. They do count the standings, but honestly, it's like that's why that game against Houston was some bullshit. Yeah, they should definitely. Yeah, they definitely got screwed on that one hard because, like, I know they protested. There's no shot the league will ever let them play that overtime period. I don't even understand the point of the. Has that ever happened? The last time yeah, a, pro, a protest was successful, I believe, was I think like maybe like 15, 20 years ago. I think it was a Heat. What like, happened? Game. Shaq had been fouled out, and they miscounted the foul, so they replayed the game from the point that he fouled out the end of the game. At that point, they sent they traded him away. So it was a very weird circumstance that game. Great memory. I read it. That's, that's why Passed I me know. by. I'm disappointed in myself, but I just think they should nix that. Like, it, whatever. I mean, no pun intended, but it's like, how often does that happen? And we're just going to get up in arms about it. it. It is what it is. It's a bad call, but like, I feel like the league will like, will not like, overturn because i think i read i was reading an article i think on the athletic by fred Katz basically said that like it's not that they got the call wrong you have to say they misapplied a rule for them to actually like overturn it and like that's gonna be hard for them to prove yeah the refs get the call wrong all the time and like they're never gonna overturn that and sean the weird thing was i mean the ref you went out at the end of the game and the two-minute report basically said yeah this was wrong i don't even think it took to the post game to for them to admit that it was wrong which yeah. was wild so yeah, no, the Knicks got absolutely hosed. That's a game on the road playing with a depleted roster that you want to win that game. They should have at least been in a contention to win that game. Prior to that call, Brunson made a big-time shot uh, that would should have sent it to overtime. So, yeah, they got hosed. And I'll just say this, though, the All-Star game, the All-Star break, rather, couldn't come at a better time for the Knicks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I know the standings. I know the games do count. But at the same time here, like, as long as their guys are healthy and they can stay out of the play in here, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll still have a path there. Ideally, oh, yeah, you don't have you don't have to worry about the play in, bro. You're good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I I pray we're good. Yeah, I mean, as long still as a Knicks fan, as long as Brunson is there and some of the depth guys are back by after the break, they should be all right. I mean, you they got Philly without Embiid for a while. Like you don't trust Milwaukee's defense. They already played a lot of the games against Milwaukee and Boston too, which helps them down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Schedule gets weaker, which we like. Yeah. 
obviously here, we know that we like where they're going now in terms of direction here. I mean, I saw that I think Zach Lowe on ESPN said the Knicks operate the smartest team in the league, which is, I almost had a stroke when I saw that because it's not something I'm used to as a Knicks fan, so. Could be true. Yeah. Ain't wrong. He ain't They're wrong. <laughs> I'm getting giddy. I'm getting giddy. Yeah, I'm th- starting to pinch myself over here. Yeah, you think about like how smart the moves have been here. They've preserved all their picks in these trades. They have all their ones. They have good salary guys they could send out, whether it's Bogdanovich, whether it's uh, guys in the heart, the Vincenzo bucket. They still have McBride. They have guys where they're picking in the draft here. Like They have the ability to go make a big move this summer. It feels like that the target here to get this next star in here, I think we can admit that Brunson is like a star. To get another one in here, I think, is the one thing that separates them from that top tier of the league where they could be in regular title contention. I just think the one thing I will say is let's not admit Brunson's a star. Let's embrace that Brunson's a star. We don't have to make this, you know, like we're, we're giving something up. He's been great. Let's just congratulate Leon Rose for just absolutely killing it, becoming my new favorite GM for any of my teams because Cashman, I'm not going to say nothing. I'm not going to say anything mean. I'm going to leave it. Um, but, I mean, he it's just been an incredible job. And we're lined up to get a star. Who that star might be, we can debate. Who we want, we can debate. I don't know, Sean. Who's the next upset star? Well, if you, if you believe what you're reading now, it sounds like this summer is going to be, you know, kind of a pivotal point for the league where a lot of teams that have been unwilling to give up the player that the Knicks have been speculated with you know, it was a Carl Anthony Towns if Minnesota has an early playoff exit. You know, this coming season is going to be fascinating, the 2024 season, because that's the first year that this second apron is really going to penalize teams in the luxury tax, and they're going to have to really position themselves, particularly the middling teams that have a couple of big money guys on their roster. They're going to have to try to spread and allocate that money out a little bit better. You're hearing Trey Young's probably going to get dealt. I mentioned Carl Anthony Towns is a name. Uh, DeJounte Murray, the other Hawk, possibly. Um, There's going to be a lot of guys. I I mean, is Golden State going to continue to commit to the guys they have? I don't know. Um, Just going across the landscape of the league, things happen really fast. Yeah, one I'll toss out here, too. Like, keep an eye on the Donovan Mitchell situation, too, because if he tells the Cavaliers I'm not signing here, I think the Knicks are in a good position to go make a big offer. Oh, he's not staying. He's not staying. Yeah, yeah. I think we uh, we could go ahead and report that officially on here. He's not staying. You can put that out. Clip it. Um, but I don't, to be honest with you, I I don't know how much more Knicks you want to talk. I mean, he's kind of a, unless he can be what he was in Louisville defensively, which I haven't really seen since like his second year in the league. I mean, he's somewhat of a redundant player to Brunson who has just, we've just adopted, I've adopted him as my child, even though I think we're about the same (laughs) age. He's legally his guardian now. No one can, no one can fuck with him. Um, I mean, I just, I, I don't, there's other players out there that are more that I think would be a better fit for the Knicks. It's a question I think of who's available. I feel like he will be available. Oh, absolutely. But it's like, do we want to just, that's a Knicks. That's a Knicks. That's, that's not a Leon Rose being the smartest GM in the league move because then you're just eliminating all these picks and you're just becoming a redundant team with literally no perimeter defense outside of OG. Cause I'm sure Josh Hart is somehow going to be involved in that deal. Um, so for me, it's like, I don't know, is it crazy to say, should we be looking at Zion? No, I I think as a matter of fact, there was a report that came out today that an Eastern conference executive 
said that they're definitely going to have to split up uh, Zion and Ingram this summer in, down in New Orleans. So one of those two is going to become available. I think either would fit the Knicks perfectly. Tom, I agree with you. I mean, Mitchell's the flashy name. Yes, he wants to be a Nick, or he wants to be in New York. We know that. But, like, you don't want to take the ball out of Brunson's hands. And when you see Mitchell at his best, like, when did Cleveland take off this year? When Garwin got hurt, right? So when Garwin got hurt, Mitchell just started going nuts. The, the entire team runs through him. It kind of seems to be the way when Utah was at their best, that's how they played too. So, yeah, I mean, you're – you're not going to stagger the two. They're both alphas. So I would, I would rather see a Carl Anthony Towns. I know his name ruffles some feathers, but I think on the Knicks, he would be dynamic. Yeah. That one probably involves you sending Randall back though. I would assume to, uh, any of these deals probably involves Randall going back. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's one. And honestly, that's, I've been battling with this because I feel like Randall's very disrespected before he got hurt. He was having an incredible year, almost as good as maybe as good as his second team, all NBA year. Um, was it second or third? I don't remember, but regardless, like that's one of those deals that I'd be okay with giving up Randall. I, because unless you do one of those big package deals, if you're going to try and get rid of Randall with, within the next couple of years of his contract, if you're trying to make him the main piece, you're never, you're never going to get equal value for him. He's just too, Weird of a player to where the rest of the league though, to undervalue him. I, I know Zion's tantalizing, but I think if I'm the Knicks, I, I'm hold. I would rather have Randall than Zion because at least I know what I'm getting. Yeah, because Zion, you don't know with the weight if he's going to play, if like what he's going to be when he's there. Like the conditioning's an I issue. Want about Randall, but the guy plays all the time. Yes. Listen, I went to New Orleans recently, and it is very easy to gain. 10 pounds and I went there for like four days. So maybe we get him up to New York. Maybe we get him up to New York. We keep him out of the Italian spots and and we just get him on like a juice diet. What do we think? Are you volunteering to make sure he doesn't go take trips to uh, Arthur Avenue on his days off? I'll, I'll keep him out of the Bronx. That's (laughs) fine by me. Listen, I, I, the, it really is like he's tantalizing his his prospect, but you know what? He also hasn't rebounded recently, so I don't really know who I want. I, I, at this trade point, I Randall, might take Cat. If you trade Randall, you have to you have to believe that whomever you're bringing in is at least uh, like twenty five percent better than what he's already giving you. Yeah, and yeah. Um, even though it's tough, it's like there's not a lot of guys out there a who do that and b who are available. So we're gonna have to find out. Yeah, we'll find out with them here. Let's go to the other side of town here with Brooklyn here. And I will say preseason, I bet the over on the net win total. Yep. I bet the over on the nets. I bought into this team. They are not clicking. They're well under 500. They are out of the play in turn if the season were to end today here. Sean's the next guy. Why is this team not clicking? Uh, let's see. Coaching, roster, injuries, culture, everything. Does that Location. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, let's see. The The roster was very redundant. They have a bunch of wings that don't really make sense. They're a bunch of role guys. Um, I don't think Jacques Vaughn has done a good job this year at all. Uh, I think the Nets expected Bridges to take another step, and when you watch Bridges play, he prefers to really be not the facilitator, but he doesn't want to be the, the orchestrator of the offense. He's not a Jalen Brunson, uh, different positions, obviously, but that's not really who he is as a player when he's at his best. Cam Thomas is super fun, but he kind of fits the mold of the Karis Leverts and the Spencer Dinwiddies and the D'Angelo Russells of 
super high volume, super high usage, not the most efficient. Even when he drops his 40 pieces, they lose. Cam Johnson has not really been that great, although I would say when you look at the team he played on in Phoenix, the best version of himself, it was with Booker and Paul and Aiton and Bridges. He hasn't really had any of those playmakers and creators for him, so he doesn't have the space to shoot the way he wants to. Claxton's an excellent defender, but he's not really much of an offensive threat. Um, Finney Smith, before they traded Royce O'Neal, they played the same position. It's just a very redundant, not a fun roster. Uh, Jacques Vaughn doesn't seem to make any adjustments whatsoever. And by the way, it's taken me this long to mention Ben Simmons because he played <laughs> the first like 11 games, then missed more time with a back, came back. He's on a minutes restriction. The team does play better when he plays, but you can't count him as anything more than kind of a luxury role player. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr., Lonnie Walker, like these are the names I'm mentioning. So it's just not good. They've miscalculated. They had a chance to trade Bridges at the deadline. Tom and I debated on, about it on the pod. I think that they're confident in their ability to rebuild this roster. They got cap flexibility by making some trades. They got more second-round picks. Um, they obviously have the picks from Phoenix coming up in the Dallas 2027. So they do have a lot of flexibility heading into the summer to see what they can do. But as for this iteration of the roster, it sucks. And you hear the words coming out of Bridges' mouth. It's like there's a better chance, in my opinion, that he asks for a trade before he gives Joe Sy and Sean Marks the names he wants to play with. I know that was long and rambling, but to answer your question thoroughly, they're a shit show. Yeah, that sounds about accurate here. Although, correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, didn't Ben Simmons recently come out and say he didn't feel like he was supported properly by the Nets for some reason, which I was just sitting there laughing at? Uh, I did not see that, but I would not be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I could I could give you an answer real quick. Uh, just I'll summarize Sean's naming of the roster. I thought he was going to start naming family members, um, <laughs> but he had to let everybody go there. I mean, the Nets just stuck. I, I think the Mets fans were sold a false bill of goods. Um, yeah. I kind of I kind of got uh, Yankees prospect vibes this at the beginning of this year where it was like yeah we're gonna compete we're gonna we're not even gonna you know we're gonna make the playoffs we're not even gonna have the play this team is not that talented that's just point blank period i love bridges i would love to have him on the Knicks. brunson's trying to get him there too cam johnson's a fine player but he's not he's way overvalued in brooklyn and i just think this team was a lot shittier no disrespect to any of the players than than what they told everybody and what they made it sound like yeah, I don't. I found that why it was not that he wasn't supporting. He, he, apparently, he said at press conference with Ben Simmons that he thinks he's more useful starting than coming off the bench. Sure. Try, well, they'll try anything. Well, you guys should try it. Yeah. It's just the thing that's I think is a great point though is that like like we said it last year. They made all these trades here. Like having like seventeen wings on your roster. Like it sounds cool in theory, but like when you don't have a facilitator and you have like a big man who can't score, it doesn't really work. It was ironic because the whole thing that hurt them when they had the big three was they had no wings. Yeah. So, um, so it's like they almost did it for spite. They overcorrected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do think also with this roster, it's interesting here with the Nets too because like in spite of like how much of a shit show they've been and like how much of a disaster they've been, in fact, I'm definitely going to lose that bet on the over total for them here. They still have a path to play in because you're talking about what? The Hawks who stink, the Bulls who are – avoiding a rebuild like god knows like like it's like the uh plague i mean like they, they can still get in the play in 
Yeah, I don't know if you watched last night. They lost by 50 in Boston. That's not a team that's making the play. That's that's also <laughs> a team I feel like they're ready to go on vacation. They're they're checked out, dude. I mean, they've won like two they're in their last 17 games. The only teams with worse records than them are the Hornets and the Pistons. Yeah. Even the Wizards are better. Yeah. In that <laughs> sample size, yeah. 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 Well, that's suck. Yeah. They're trash. What do, what do you want me to say? I mean, yeah, as a Knicks fan, all there, it's all there is to say. They're, they're terrible. As a Knicks fan, a lot of lot of talk from a lot of shit talk from those Brooklyn people when you know Kyrie came and felt like home and KD was going to build something here. You guys remember that? I do. Yeah. <laughs> I still feel like that whole thing was weird. I feel like that was sort of like Durant said he wanted dream. to play. It's not like he wanted to play with Kyrie. Said like Kyrie picked the team and Kyrie picked the Nets. Pretty much, yeah. And I don't think I feel like I don't feel like KD was attached to Brooklyn as Kyrie was. Well, ironically, uh, KD ended up giving them more than any than Kyrie ever did. Yeah. Um, I think Durant. It was just a point in his career where, again, they were taking away everything that he went there for. Yeah. So Will you go to his jersey retirement. Will you fly up here and go to his jersey retirement for the Nets? <laughs> <laughs> You're such a sack of shit. Um, <laughs> no, I will not. But it's yeah, it sucks. I mean, if you play that all over again, out of ten times, probably the only time it happened this way was in reality. Yeah, it's it's crazy, but shit happens, man. That's that goes to show the fragility of this league and why you have to capitalize on opportunities when they come to you, because you never know. You could you could be in a spot where there's no other team in the league that would rather that that wouldn't want what you have. And then before you know it, you're back to obscurity, which is what they are. Yeah. And they're an interesting spot roster wise here, because obviously they're sort of in a weird mix where they're still sending out a bunch of picks on the first Harden trade. They have a bunch of picks coming in from the trades they made with Durant and Kyrie. They have this big trade exception. They, they generated with the uh, move at the deadline here. Like it does feel like you're, do you sort of build around Macau bridges and Claxton and say, okay, these are our, Getting first building while it's a build around them, or do we keep stripping down and say, okay, Bridges is not the guy we thought he was. Let's just cash out. Because at one point, I think one of you think Memphis offered five ones for him at one point last year or something like that. Houston offered reportedly. Houston offered all of the Nets draft capital back at prior to the deadline for Bridges, and the Nets declined. So that tells me yes, and they believe that they're a destination for a Donovan Mitchell, for guys like that. They know Mikael Bridges is a player everybody wants to play with in the league because that all the teams are asking for him, right? So they they believe that. They truly think with the increased rock, roster flexibility and the cap space that they can be right back in it to acquire more talent with the picks that they have. Uh, will they do it? I don't know. Are they really a destination? I don't know. Uh, more clarity will come out around the draft. Maybe they say, yeah, we need to fully tear this down. But to me, I think they are hell-bent on getting back to – back to Eastern Conference contender. I think that's the direction that they're telling you they want to go in, Tom, right? No doubt. I mean, the, the, the not trading of Bridges says it all. I mean, they're, they are the Mitchell destination, if you ask me. Me too. Period. I think so too. I agree with that because, like, he's, as you point out correctly, like, he's for it doesn't fit with Brunson in terms of, like, being a ball-dominant guy who will slowly obviously now doesn't really defend, but, like, Nets don't really have that guy right now who wants to be the man. Say, I'll take the big shots. And like you said, you want Brady yeah. to be a facilitator well, here, like and sort of like be like number two. Like Mitchell will be a fine number one for that if you want to have Brady as your second man. 
Exactly. Yeah, he's. I mean, I wouldn't say I. I. I take Booker over Mitchell, but I say they're pretty damn close. And that was his running mate out in Phoenix. So. Yeah, I think we're in good. Sh- I think we're good on the Nets here. Let's go around the league here a little bit here. So, uh, give me real quick, like, like, go you guys each year. Uh, Tom first. Top five teams in the league at the break. Damn, I wrote down four, so we're gonna have to test. <laughs> we're gonna have to test my knowledge of, of, of the league off the top of my head. I got, I got three Western Conference teams in my top four. Believe it or not, I got the Celtics, number one. I'm taking them over the champs. No, no disrespect. I got the Nuggets. I got the Wolves. I got OKC. Uh, fifth team off the top of my head. Mm, I don't know. I guess I'll just go with Giannis and Milwaukee. Am I forgetting anybody, Sean? Uh, prior to the injuries, I would have put the Knicks. But Milwaukee. Uh, yeah, I just. Milwaukee's I, that honestly feels like a jinx to me. I'm such a stupid Knicks fan. No, I think Milwaukee's. I think Milwaukee's the fifth. I agree with Tom's list. Clippers. Oh, no, no, no. The Clippers aren't. Clippers aren't there right now, but they're. The, that team and the Warriors are under my I, – I don't know if you consider them sleepers or whatnot, but I want to talk Warriors and Clippers pretty much is what I got my eyes on for the second half. Yeah, I think the Clippers is a fascinating situation too because I remember when they hard got sent out there, they stuck the game and James Harden's like, hey, give us 10 games, figure it out. And basically, right after the 10 games, they basically started steamrolling people. Yeah, I mean, it, it's – We've seen it before multiple times when Harden gets somewhere that he wants to be. This is what happens. Um, honestly, I think if the Clippers can stay healthy, they're they're going to go as Kawhi and and a little bit less, but still PG goes because those guys get hurt all the time. Um, but you know, if they can put it together and stay healthy, they're riding the perfect time of the James Harden heater because right around off season. And then into the beginning of the next season is usually when he starts to throw his fits. Right, Sean? Am I wrong on that? No, your timeline's 100% right. For anybody that questions <laughs> why we didn't put the Clippers in there, I am very well aware that they've been probably the best team in the NBA in the last two months. However, I did watch a good amount of, of the fourth quarter of that Minnesota game the other night. Yeah, they got bullied. Minnesota bullied them big time. Um, so listen right now, record wise. Yeah, of course they're in the top five shit. They're probably in the top two, but I got to see them pass a lot more tests. Minnesota has been more consistent the whole year. Uh, Boston's obviously the best team in the league. Milwaukee for, I think the general fan listens to some podcasts and wants to surmise that they're not that good. They are that good. They really are figuring it out. And I would have a lot of stock to build up with them. So yeah, I, I think that's right. Um, and then the rest of the way, obviously, you're looking at Oklahoma City. They are legit. They are real. They are deep, and they can beat anybody on any night. Yeah, and this this OKC thing, just to just to jump off that, this is not like an out of nowhere kind of thing. I mean, they were what were they a playing team last year, Sean? Yeah, and um, and and they were. They were really hot towards the end of the season. SGA is a legitimate top five player in the league. He's an absolute dog. He's a three-level scorer, great defender. Um, Chet, he's – I mean, I, I, Wemby's starting to make a run at him, starting to get a little bit a little bit warmer, and they're starting to get him the ball in the right spots. But Chet's been playing incredible basketball all year. Um, I know it was like a 30-point game at the end, but that Wemby-Chet battle was, was kind of epic. Um, 
The other guy, Williams, I think he just got named to the all-star team. He's one of the best two-way players in basketball, not very well known. This team, especially with the acquisition of the veteran Gordon Hayward and whatnot, they are they are this is a team that could win a title if everything breaks right. I think they have the right roster to do it. I think they have a good enough team. Yeah, the one worry I would have with them is I don't think they have enough bodies they have run into Jokic in the playoffs. I feel like that's their big Achilles heel. Well, I think that's the thing is that's just like last year, that's everybody though. And nobody's nobody's got the bodies. I mean, think about it. If if Nurkic goes out, his former teammate on Phoenix, Kevin Durant has to play defense on on Jokic. How's that going to go? Not great. No, not well yeah, at all. Gobert, I mean, Gobert is a big matches up horrendously with Jokic because Jokic will take him away from the rim, which makes him absolutely useless. And Carl Anthony Towns is not a great defensive big. So. Um, there's not a, I mean, that's why Jokic is the, the MVP and the best player in the league is there's nothing you can do matchup wise, but there are a lot of different schemes Oklahoma City can run at you because um, they do have so many guys. Yeah, it's also I also want to throw out here the Cavaliers is a question mark here on the best teams because they gave surge like over the last couple of months. They're second in the East right now. Yeah, I mean. I looked at their strength of schedule. I think it's like right in the middle from when they had that period where they were missing Garland and then Mobley went down, which seemed to make them a better team. For me, it's just with that heliocentric basketball, I mean, the way the Knicks last year just absolutely torched them. They 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 still have those same question marks. Good regular season team, but I don't see them going very far in the playoffs. And I think that's going to throw... I don't know, whatever the most flammable gasoline there is, gas there is on the fire for Mitchell leaving. I mean, they're 19 and two in their last 21, right? I mean, they're, but they, they are not really played anybody. I know 19 and two is almost impossible to do anyway, but we've seen yeah. some winning. Give streak. them credit. A hundred percent. I just, I agree with Tom. I don't know how much I buy in them long term. If they're the two seed, I don't feel that comfortable that they're going really, really far. Um, because of again how much dom- how dominated they were by the Knicks last year, but I will say this. And Tom, you know, when we did our state of the NBA right around New Year's, Jared Allen has taken a insane step forward offensively. I mean, he has been absolutely awesome. So much to the point where when Mobley was out and they've been trying to bring Mobley in, they are staggering the two now. Uh, instead of playing them together, because Allen's been such a much more than just your right at the basket dunker. Rim runner, yeah. So you got to give him a ton of credit defensively, offensively. They're 19 and 2 in the last 21 for a reason. But yeah, I, I just, I kind of know what they are. And come playoff, t- playoff time, I don't think their ceiling's all that. Yeah, I'd still be worried about them playing the two bigs together in the playoffs. They end up going back to that point, right? Because like, that's exposed them last year when they tried to do that. Mobley needs to be more of a scorer, too. He's just not that right now. Yeah. Mobley needs, to, Mobley needs to be a better shooter. He just hasn't developed an offensive game when he came out of uh, – where did he go to college? USC, was it? Yes. Damn, I still got it. Um, he just hasn't – he hasn't developed an offensive game and, and improved in that at all. And people were comparing him to KG when he came out. And I know that was – a little much, but he just hasn't gotten any better, and it's kind of been disappointing because some of the other guys in his draft class have gotten better. Yeah, another thing, thing I want to touch on real quick before we move on to some other stuff here. The Bucks firing uh, Griffin for Doc Rivers here. I need, to get, I need to hear what you guys thought about that because that's probably one of the most absurd stories I've seen in the NBA in years. I mean, the, the, the assi- assistant coaches usually don't 
quit like a week before the season starts. So that was a bad sign off the jump. And then if you just like, you know, we don't, you don't have to be inside the locker room to watch a team in timeouts and whatnot. If you have league pass and like they were miserable and nobody liked them. And then when Giannis says it's time to go, it's time to go. Um, And I think they made a, a, a solid decision. Just they are in, everything is all go right now. They gave up everything for um, Damian Lillard. So they had to get a coach in there that all these guys were going to be able to get behind. And I don't know, Doc's got a really good reputation of taking veteran teams far in the playoffs, whether or not you call him a choke artist when he gets there or whatnot, he, he, he takes them there. On the surface, it obviously was staggering because of their record and their success, but that's where you really have to peel back the layers. They were getting absolutely torched defensively. They were escaping a lot of games. Mitchell was saving their behinds a lot. I don't think he's getting enough credit for that. No, I agree with you. And, and you know, if, if Giannis wasn't going absolutely psychopath mode, uh, they, they were playing well down to their competition and not sustainable, not good enough for where they want to be. Um, that's where you look at the regular season. And, and Mike, when you ask us about teams like the Clippers and the Cavaliers, why do we not have them as high as probably a lot of other people do? It's because you got to look at everything else that goes with the record. It's not just the record. So uh, Milwaukee was not playing like a championship level team. Giannis did not believe, Dame did not believe that he was the guy to get them there. And you saw it last year with Missoula. If it wasn't for, you know, Brad Stevens having such a strong stranglehold on that organization and and the confidence of his players, he would probably be gone. And Dame and and Giannis are not going to let a rookie coach screw them up. And Tom, you made a great point about Terry Stotts leaving like two weeks before the regular season starts. That's that's not good. It definitely is not good here. And uh, let's get to another hot topic that's coming up lately here. This award eligibility controversy here, because obviously. We had this whole discussion to CBA about how we're not going to make it. Oh, you have to play 65 games, the Elder Four Wars, because they're going to com- combat the uh, load management stuff here. And now we have guys who have gotten hurt who are not going to be Elder Four Wars. Obviously, MB is not going to be in the MVP mix again. Halburn is flirting with the I can't play, miss like, any, more than like two games, otherwise I can't be Elder Four Wars here. Like, what do you guys think about this rule they came up with? Uh, I mean,. <sighs> Uh, most of the first thing I'll say is a lot of these dudes needs to start worried about win, winning championships because that's what MJ would say. Am I right about that? Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I don't really know how to feel. I mean, I understand it from the player's point of view, but I mean, if you don't play, then then why should you be eligible for an award in the first place? Right. I mean, are we really becoming a participation league in the pros, too? Are Cy Young winners, are they winning with 12 starts? Are MVPs winning with playing 100 games out of 162? Like, is 65 maybe a little too rigid? Okay, but they have to do something. There's never going to be a perfect world. Uh, They created the in-season tournament to combat it too. Listen, they can bitch and moan all they want. If you have a serious injury, that sucks. But I agree with Tom wholeheartedly. Shut the fuck up. Worry Worry about being healthy in the postseason. And, and go into the post to for two months and, and winning a championship. Um, listen, yeah, I would maybe be a little upset if I tear my hamstring and feel like I have to get back out there. But you know what? You're fine. It's 
the NBA was so screwed for so long with these guys resting with injuries that you just have to you have to tell them too bad and the that part the best ability is availability sometimes yeah i think the issue they run into here is not even more of that it's like all the guys having their contract oh like i get a bonus if i'm all nba and oh i'm tore my hamstring i missed three months now i can't get all nba i didn't play enough games like that i think is you shouldn't get all nba anyway you didn't play long enough <laughs> with yeah we know how yeah good and you are but that's not know, the it's like then that goes into the argument where it's like uh, that's a bonus. You didn't hit your incentive. You're not getting the bonus, brother. Yeah. Sorry. Like if I don't hit all my incentives at work, I'm not going to get my bonus. Same thing with the people that sell the tickets at the arenas. If they don't sell all the freaking season tickets, they're not getting their bonus. So why should uh, why should Embiid? Just saying. Yeah, I know that here. Let's go to the LeBron situation here because that's the thing that's sort of been the headline here the last week is that. He's been putting. He put that that tweet of like the basically stoking a lot. Oh man, he wants out of L.A. The point we had, the Warriors said three different approaches at the Lakers. See if he will to move. He said no. We have all the rumors about is Bronny James a package deal with LeBron next year? LeBron now seems like he wants to stay, but they're not taking his suggestions here. What does LeBron want? You think want to do here? Well, first off, about the Bronny James, I I can't. I, I'm off Pac-12 basketball because it's just so bad. Yeah. But I hear he's not like barely playing at USC. So I don't know. It's like, I know LeBron's the second greatest player of all time, but how do we really like in his hundredth year of the league, do we really have to just to get him on our team, have his kid play? So I've, for the first time in a long time, I don't think LeBron knows what the hell he's going to do with his future either. He's still probably a top 10 player in the league when healthy and, and not reserving some in the tank. I still think he's, I still think he's going to try and chase Jordan at some point. And, and it's, I think he's going to transition into, to like, I don't want to say ring chasing, but getting on the best team every year that has a chance to win a ring. You think he's going to take like the one year, big, like big one year deal somewhere and just like land somewhere. You think he's going to win a ring straight up, straight up mercenary. Yeah. Well, at is this mer- point, I mean, he's got mercenary. three different championships with three different teams. So it's like, you're, you're not the one team guy. So, at this point, let's just try and get seven rings. Sean, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with Tom on pretty much all of that. So you look at him, right? I mean, he always holds the Lakers' feet to the fire come trade deadline time, which is no different than what he did in his time in Cleveland and no different than his time in Miami. And listen, last year the Lakers were able to take advantage of a seller's market and get him D'Angelo Russell and get him Rui Hachimura and – even this summer, I thought they brought in some better pieces, but it just hasn't worked out. The, they're not good enough to compete with some of these loaded teams in the West. Um, and everything he does is calculated, whether it's himself or through clutch. And, yeah, I think in a perfect world, he never leaves L.A. I think he wants to stay in L.A. I think that's where he wants to be. He kind of has his business empire there, all that, and he can retire a Laker. I think he loves being a Laker. But at the end of the day, I agree with Tom. That guy wants to win. He's very well aware that every season that he's not winning, that's another year he's not playing. So I think, you know, you look at around the league, the Warriors make a lot of sense. And if it's true that him and Steph have discussed playing together, uh, they've always kind of been frenemies, I think. They love each other, but they also have a very strong rivalry. Play together, maybe it's with Steve Kerr in the Bay. Um, we'll find out, but I, I think that LeBron is very, very motivated to, to win at least one more and probably get to that seven. 
Yeah, I think the crazy thing here to think about here is like we are obviously the Warriors rumors make sense. I know they want to try and capitalize on Curry's prime still happening here. I mean, who knows how long he's gonna maintain this level? But I just think it was hilarious in that same story. Like, oh, like the Knicks and Man know they don't want him. I just think that's funny because they still like burned about the last time like, they tried. <laughs> oh, get him. over it! You <laughs> Knicks fans are a pain in the ass. Yeah, we don't want him anyways. Stay yeah, in LA, whatever. We don't want him. <laughs> Whatever I do, I do want to say about the Warriors, though. I have to say they are my. They are. I, I guess. Do we consider them a sleeper because they're in playing territory right now? I think people are assuming like Maya bury them after they had that really rough like November or December. Y'all see? I mean, yeah, I know they've won. I know they've won four championships in the last however many years, but I'm going to take them as my sleeper because I just think that they're playing incredible basketball right now. I think that Draymond suspension was more like a vacation for the guy because he comes out looking like it's 2015, 2016 again, running around with his chicken with his head cut off. And then Steph is just like, playing out of his mind because Draymond's back. And then when Draymond was gone, Kaminga was just like, I'm going to become like the most dynamic player in basketball and average 30 points a game and 10 rebounds and just take over games and spurts. So, I mean, between that and then you have the CP three, I know he's got, you know, a bionic bionic hand at this point, but I mean, if he can even just stay a little bit, this this team is so much more talented than than the way they played in the first half, and I think I think they could literally legitimately make a push. Pajemski too, he's been really really yeah. Pajemski, man, he's got a great plus minus. He can shoot it. He moves the ball. He's a Steve Kerr kind of guy. Yeah, he is, and you could see uh, drafting him out of Santa Clara, like they had a plan with him, and he's fit it perfectly. Yeah, Sean, any other sleepers you have and your eye on for the second half of the season? Sleepers. You know, it's, it's hard take to the Clippers. No, because they're not a sleeper. I think everybody, everybody. The Golden State, them. the Golden State one was scummy for me to just. That was low hanging fruit for me to pull that off. The I board. mean, is it is it too crazy? Is it too crazy to say Miami? Is it too? No, it too no. That was my yet? that was my like Eastern Conference one. I mean, that team they don't give a damn about the regular season. Jimmy has said it openly, and. and it's kind of like that Tom Brady thing where every time we counted him out and every time I'm, I I have to see them die pretty much. Indiana's a team that if they figure it out with a healthy Halliburton and now they, now they have Siakam. I mean, can they go on a little bit of a run? They were really good there in the beginning of the season, obviously getting to the finals of the in season tournament. Um, are you asking sleepers as far as who could win at all or sleepers who are just going to maybe make some noise here in the second half? I go more, make some noise. Yeah. So oh, then, yeah, I, Indiana, yeah, Miami, Indiana in that category. Yeah, I think those two are here, and like the Kings fascinate me too because I feel like they should be much better than where they are in the Western Conference standings. They're sitting eighth right now as we hit the All Star break here. I do think like they could they be they in that top Fox five for a while. Yeah, they lost Fox for a while, and then uh, Murray's Murray's not playing as well this year, and I thought that they should have made a move at the deadline just to get a little bit more depth, but. They did in and the Western Conference, like Sean said at the beginning, is such a gauntlet. Doesn't even matter. Yeah, I'm kind of out on the Kings this year. Fun story last year, but I I just don't think that at the moment, if they were going to snatch it and go on a run, I think it would have happened already when the Warriors were down and the Lakers were really struggling before we knew what the Clippers were. So I'm kind of out on the Kings. All right, last thing here before I let you guys go here. What were your thoughts on the in season tournament? You guys fans, do you think they should fix it, like tweak it? What do you think? What do you think about the in season tournament? 
I I was a fan of it. Um, of course, tweaks need to be made. It was the first year of it, and they're gonna they're gonna make tweaks, and they're they're gonna take the feedback and get better. But at first, when they first announced it, I was like, yeah, whatever, poo pooed it. But I watched it, and and I really enjoyed it. And aside from the courts, which just kind of hurt my eyes, uh, I really I had fun watching it, and they're felt like there was a bit of a higher level of intensity. I, I don't know if maybe LeBron bought, brought that out as being like the the face of the league, and he played hard so everybody else did, but for whatever reason, the, I thought the players did a really good job of actually holding up their end of the bargain. Yeah, I, I thought it was a really big success for year one, right? I mean, I agree with Tom on the courts. I mean, holy shit, the Bulls court. I felt like I was in the seventh circle of hell watching those games. Uh, my poor retinas. But um, afterwards, I really think that they got the most they wanted out of it. The the Pacers-Laker game was really fun. Um, listen, in November, when during the week you don't really have anything, um, you're looking for something to kind of attach yourself to. And with the courts and with the nationally televised games – it did feel like it was a little bit bigger. So if they can capture an audience before Christmas, which is almost impossible to do with college football and the NFL dominating, um, you can captivate general audience for five, six more weeks. And yeah, I think overall it was, it was a success. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think like fixing the course is the number one thing here. Cause I mean, those reds and oranges or like the purple with the Pelicans, like it just was too we much. We didn't need it. It was, I told Sean they should go back to like whatever the whatever the paint or whatever the layout was for their first inaugural season as a team's court. They should all do that. So the Celtics should go old school, all that stuff. That would be cool. Yeah, I just feel like we didn't need like I think they try to make it a big deal. That stupid runway to Vegas or whatever in the middle of the court was. It looked it looked like I was let's like some of those a little corny. It looked like like. I don't know if you, there was a story here about like I I try to compare it to like we had a guest speaker once at my high school and the high school parking lot like sucked because they did it all diagonally for some reason and the speaker said like I want to know who who the lunatic that came out of the asylum was ran did your park off when they caught it I felt like that's what happened with the NBA courts. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, I agree. I don't, you know, these corporate things they they they're very corny to start. Hopefully, hopefully they rein it in and they they make a few changes. Yeah, they can keep the special courts. Just rein it in a little bit. Like, yeah, bring yeah. in the focus groups. I'm happy to tell them that I almost went blind from watching a couple games. It doesn't need to look like a playground that like they took chalk and painted the entire basketball court. Yeah, kind of looked like some things you'd see in NBA Jam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it felt bad for anybody who was colorblind trying to watch those games. Oh, yeah, that was. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> Yeah, because I remember that was this fiasco a few years back with the uh, color rush jerseys, the NFL. There's one game where the Jets and the Bills were wearing red and green, and like it was like the color line couldn't tell who was which team because it would just look like blobs of gray of them. Well, those are their people too, so they, honestly, the league should take that into account. Good job by you, though. Yeah, they're trying out. to be they're trying to be inclusive. Let's bring let's make sure they're taking care of the colorblind folks. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. under underappreciated group. Yeah, very. And under- I'm one of them, so come on, man. <laughs> That's true. Sean's colorblind. You must. Have, how did how did that Jets game go for you? Not great, Bob. Not great. <laughs> he listens to the games on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's probably better than Tony Romo half the time. Oh man. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, thank we'll you. Leave guys. it at that. Yeah, I want to thank you guys for coming on here. Really appreciate. It. People, I'll follow your pod and keep with you guys on social media. How can I do that? 
Um, podcast is across all platforms. Sorry to interrupt podcast and Twitter is at sorry sports. We actually use it. So tweet at us. We'll tweet back. That's right. Yeah. Reply to their thoughts. They will have a conversation with you. Yes. All right. Thanks for all the time, guys. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Thank Mike. You.